it's also a little bit about coming from the idea that agriculture as it is is not anymore as attractive to the youth and the youth are or leaving the rural areas migrating or just not interested in agriculture because of its um, drudgeries involved and just being a, a difficult job which is and uh, bringing in renewable energy in these agribusiness hubs is a way to basically uh, attract also the youth back into agriculture because if you're talking about for example post-harvest processing like grinding or milling with a motorized mill you can grind uh, a day's uh, a day's produce in 10 minutes versus by hand which can take up to 10 hours that was karen segal a leading expert on renewable energy and food systems and this is the power for all podcast a forum for leaders working to end energy poverty i'm your host william brent in support of this year's UN Food Systems Summit, our conversation with Karen is part of a special series we're doing on the critical link between food systems and decentralized renewable energy. Our goal is to shed light on game-changing ideas in Africa and Asia that can help both ensure sustainable energy for all, improve farmers' lives, and support in-country economic growth. Over the past decade, Karen has helped shape the renewable energy strategy at the International Fund for Agricultural Development, also known as IFAD, which is the only global development bank with an agricultural focus. He's now helping to make sure that the next generation of agricultural entrepreneurs, i.e. agripreneurs, are basing their businesses on clean energy. Welcome, Karin. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Great to have you. So, um, so Karin, you know, I've been uh, in conversations with you for a couple of years now and following the work you've done closely. And I know that you've you've had a, a major impact on EFAD's strategy on renewable energy. And I'm wondering if you can, for the listeners uh, who may not know much about EFAD, explain what that strategy is. And also, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, EFAD's a serious player, right? You, you the, the bank deploys or disperses around $800 million a year in loans and grants. So the decisions you make on, on energy have a significant impact. So it'd be great to just hear a little bit more about that strategy as it relates to renewables. Sure. Um, so, well, just to maybe give a quick uh, introduction to IFAD, uh, IFAD is a specialized UN agency, and uh, it's an IFI as well. Um, it's it's uh, works with the smallholder farmers as its uh, main beneficiaries, and uh, the most of the work has been related to agricultural development with energy. Sorry about that. It's. <laughs> it's <laughs> Yeah, and renewable energy. <laughs> With, your well, your bio, dog is clearly a big supporter of Ethan. <laughs> um, so so basically, the the work on uh, on energy has not been uh, historically, let's say, at the forefront of of the of the fund. Um, I I joined Ethan in two thousand eleven, and uh, basically saw that. How can we work on different agricultural value chains without looking at the energy gaps along the value chain? So from production to processing to post-harvest handling, all these activities require energy. If we're talking about storing, freezing, drying, milling, and I can go on. Um, and our target groups mainly rely on diesel fuel, kerosene at farm level, and uh, firewood and charcoal for, for cooking needs. 
So we came up with this um, this idea to to I say we because of course it's 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 always a teamwork. I'm never gonna get the full credit. So it's good that we have a a team with the regional climate and environment specialist uh, in IFAD, and of course with the help of country directors. And we came up with a strategy that basically provides guidance to country directors to systematically integrate energy aspects in their agricultural projects. So uh, IFAD has a, a planning stage with governments, which are called COSOPs, uh, which means Country Opportunity Strategy Papers. These are basically five-year uh, programs which highlight the thematic areas in which IFAD will invest. And the idea was to start from there, to have uh, people in, uh, in the sector of, of renewable energy that are raising those issues, the access to energy at farm level and access to energy at household level. Um, so we designed the, the RESA, it's the Renewable Energy for Smallholder Agriculture. You can find it on the IFAD website. And it basically uh, provides guidance to support the country teams to integrate renewable energy um, in their in their project operations. Um, there is a, a, a much bigger vision in IFAD, uh, which is to have a dedicated window for renewable energy, which comprise, which encompasses a little bit all the elements, because it's not only about deploying the technology, it's about access to finance, it's about skills, capacity building for the rural youth, it's about looking at uh, issues of gender empowerment, when you look at women that are cooking on firewood and 4.5 million deaths per year uh, due to the combustion of firewood indoors and the smokes inhaled, the respiratory infections. So the approach of, of the Reza was really to take, a, uh, to take energy at the central uh, stage, but to really make all the country teams realize that it's a cross-cutting theme touching upon numerous thematic areas from gender to health to environment, uh, finance, etc. So maybe I'll stop there and probably we can come back to, to the Reza. Yeah, just one quick question uh, as a follow-up. Um, within the renewable energy strategy, is there at, at this point any mandate that, that country offices are required to um, look at renewable energies, uh, uh, energy systems first before choosing other types of systems? Or sort of what, what does it lay out in terms of you know, sort of the bare minimum that the countries should be doing? Well, it's, um, it's, it's not that easy because what we have is uh, the, every project goes through a very rigorous uh, uh, loops of, of, of technical committees and, and appraisals of, of the project documents. And uh, one of the tools we have in-house are the SECAPs, which are the Social Environment Climate Assessment Procedures. Now, the, the SECAP is basically the, the guardian of ensuring that we are not promoting projects that are maybe uh, using diesel fuel or, or, or other fossil fuel-based energy systems. So we've included an energy guidance note within the SECAP, which basically governs uh, the, the, the process of ensuring that renewable energy is prioritized where possible. Now, every country and every project have different uh, objectives. You cannot 
have a project that is trying to do everything. So we're not expecting that that all countries and all projects have renewable energy at the forefront. But of course, we are aligning to national policies and where you have governments that have renewable energy as an important um, objective, then of course our projects are looking into renewable energy. Just to give you an example, like Ethiopia, uh, we managed to switch uh, the idea of having all these diesel pumps along canals, which were pumping something equivalent to five megawatt uh, installation, to be converted all into solar solar systems, solar powered systems. So I don't know if I've answered the question, but basically it's it's uh, it's still a bit ad hoc and it's still very much aligned with national priorities on on renewable energy and. In one way, we're also a little bit handicapped because IFAD traditionally works with the ministries of agriculture and energy sometimes being under the jurisdiction of the Ministry of Energy or Ministry of Environment, uh, that cooperation and that interministerial coordination can sometimes be very difficult to, to, to really click. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, everything's not under under your control, and it is. It's a compl- complex issue, which is part of the, you know, the reason that we're trying to shine a spotlight on it. Um, so you mentioned a couple of things about you know sort of a holistic approach that EFAD takes, and you talked about skills and gender. So I want to go back to that for a second because, as as I think I, I understood from our, our last conversation, that starting in in June or maybe it was this June or last, I'm not sure, that EFAD is is launching a group of hubs in Africa aimed at fostering young, young agribusiness entrepreneurs. So where is that happening? With whom? What's, what's the, the, the detail there? Okay, so this is actually a very uh, new initiative uh, led by the IFAD's uh, youth uh, team. Uh, they are a wonderful team that have managed to put this concept note together, and the funding is coming uh, largely from BMZ, the German um, uh, bilateral agency. Um, IFAD is putting in uh, some funds and Visa Foundation actually is also um, involved in this. It's uh, The title of the project is basically Creating Employment Opportunities for Rural Youth in Africa with a total uh, financing envelope of $18 million. The target countries in the first phase are Rwanda, Kenya, Mozambique, Cameroon, and Nigeria. So it covers a bit of East and Southern Africa and West and Central Africa. Uh, the, the, the outreach, or let's say the, the, the plan is to reach approximately 11,000 uh, farmers um, and rural youth, sorry, uh, out of which at least 30% are women. So, as I said, it's it's still very early days. Uh, some countries are a little bit more advanced, but the whole idea of of this uh, project is to try and uh, look ahead, also a little bit on the supply side. You know, we all these donor projects are pumping in uh, solar home systems and renewable energy technologies, without really, I think. Uh, not at the same pace as we're building the the supply side so the skilled enterprise and uh, entrepreneurs and and companies that can actually uh, provide the after sales services and 
lead the process of, of making sure the sustainability aspects are, are there. So it's also a little bit about coming from the idea that agriculture as it is, is not anymore as attractive to the youth and the youth are or leaving the rural areas migrating or just not interested in agriculture because of its um, drudgeries involved and just being a, a difficult job which is and uh, bringing in renewable energy in these agribusiness hubs is a way to basically uh, attract also the youth back into agriculture because if you're Talking about, for example, post-harvest processing, like grinding or milling. With a motorized mill, you can grind uh, a, day's, uh, a day's produce in 10 minutes versus by hand, which can take up to 10 hours. So that's also where the labor efficiency gains come into place. But anyways, the, the idea of the hubs is we're working with, uh, I, I'm sure people are very familiar with uh, the Songhai Center in Benin, for example, which is this uh, uh, physical uh, place where rural youth and uh, young people can come and learn and get their hands dirty on various uh, technologies, on various uh, agricultural processes, and then go ahead and, and try and build uh, companies and, and, and business models around that. So basically, we're trying to work on that. And the very important thing is that there is a lot of this happening already by a number of partners, and we're trying to collaborate with those. And the other key thing is that we're not building from scratch. We are trying to add value to those existing centers that already exist in these countries. For example, in Rwanda, we're working with the Polytechnic University, which would be act like the main hub. And then they have, we call these satellites. So we will have EFAD projects or we will have small training centers on farm uh, where the youth will get trained. I'll give you an example. is like uh, milk processing into yogurt and, and other uh, value addition products. There is actually an idea of bringing the youth there, placing them, getting, a let's say, a placement of three months to learn how to use a solar milking cooling system to produce yogurts or cool milk or ch the chilling aspects etc so at the moment where we stand is uh, is is really at the at the first phase which is doing the labor market assessments and really assessing which which uh, sectors would be the most um, uh, attractive to the youth and which will be able to basically absorb the youth. So when we're looking at the construction or waste uh, sector or sanitation sector or energy sector as well, infrastructure, etc. So we're doing these labor market assessments. I think in, uh, in uh, Rwanda and Nigeria, if I'm not mistaken, things are a little bit more advanced where we're actually onboarding the youth and they're starting their courses. And my role is basically to support the curriculums to, to integrate the renewable energy aspects in all these agricultural uh, opportunities that are there. Now, the, very quickly, and I'll stop uh, here, there are three stages to, to, to this project. 
um, there is the startup phase, which is basically what I've been talking about. Having a landscape level assessment of what are the opportunities for the youth, what is their interest, what is the, uh, the identification of renewable energy sources that can be adapted in the hubs. Then there is the second phase, which we would call the hub nurturing phase, which is about modernizing and equipping the hubs with selected technologies and then really moving into the mentorship programs on crop production, animal husbandry, food processing, machinery design, renewable energy production, service provision, etc. Once we've, the hub nurturing probably is the biggest chunk of the time because that's where you're really doing the formation of the youth. But then people forget that the post-hub growth, which is the third phase, is probably the most important because it's where the rural youth lack opportunities to bring an idea to scale and to market. So the project tries to then handhold hand these youth to be linked to financial markets, uh, to be linked to EFAT projects, which can expand the market space for them and create the, the demand for the technologies that they're piloting. And then to also support maybe through matching grant facilities on uh, on their businesses. So having like a competitive uh, uh, method where we award grants for these companies to to really get into the business and scale up their 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 ideas. So we don't we don't know exactly what will come out of this, but uh, uh, the important thing is that the idea is the people that are living in rural areas know better the problems and the technologies that could solve those problems. So if we create a platform where they can nurture this, then perhaps we'll, you know, have some really cool ideas that come out of this. Yeah, absolutely. And and just to uh, remind me, this is over what period of time, this, this uh, $18 million facility? So we are starting, but we've started this year. And it will go on for another, it's a six-year project. I see. And, and is the goal to um, create these hubs in, in every country in sub-Saharan Africa? Or will there be hubs of hubs? Or how, how's that going to work? What's the strategy there? So the, the, the first phase was these five countries uh, based on very specific criteria, which... Uh, Includes, of course, alignment with certain EFAT projects focusing on youth uh, youth employment opportunities and access to finance uh, and uh, and having those partnering hosts, uh, so the hubs that already exist. And then the idea is to scale this out to another five or six countries. Um, but of course, we we cannot our, the conservative approach is that we solidify certain hubs uh, in in these countries and then use these hubs as training grounds for for new hubs. Basically, that's the idea. But I, I don't uh, think there is enough <laughs> funds to do this at a, a sub-Saharan Africa entirely. So I think. Uh, you know, when we reach uh, midterm reviews, and that's where you have to also assess because you never know how things are going to progress. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's five countries in the first stage, based on you know the calculations of modernizing these hubs, uh, including the technologies, 
having the support of the national extension staff and the IFAD projects, and then ideally scale out the, the lessons learned into other existing hubs. Got it. And I'm just curious, you know, you, you talked about 11,000 farmers over that six-year time period and or rural youth uh, training them um, into, into agripreneurs. And and thirty percent of that, a third of that is is women. How how do you get to a thirty percent um, figure? Is, I mean, I think the w- women account for more than thirty percent of the you know sort of wor- uh, agricultural workforce. Is is there a reason behind that number? No, I think it's just to make sure that uh, the project teams uh, you know have this in their head that there should be equal opportunities for men and women. Like I've worked a lot in, 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 in many countries and you'll have, uh, we have the same vocational training uh, uh, project in Bangladesh uh, where women are actually not allowed to even think that they can become engineers. And this is, you know, I'm talking about the Haar uh, in, in, in a very rural context where certain cultural, uh, social aspects need to be respected, of course. But if these young women want to venture into becoming an engineer or, or metal working, they should have they should have the opportunity. So I think the thirty percent is simply a place marker and 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 a way to ensure that our project teams, our national counterparts, have this in mind that equal opportunity should be there and that. Of course, there will be more, unfortunately, or of course, there will be more men applying and there will be more men, uh, young men uh, interested in machinery related work for uh, numerous reasons. But we need to ensure that there is equal opportunities for women. So the the actual target is, is, is to have an equal number of men and women or to have no um, you know, distinction between whether you're a man or a woman, but uh, yeah. So I think it's it's not really a number coming from from a, from a, a calculation of the labor force or of, of the population, but simply uh, because we have also you know uh, at at the at the institutional level certain gender uh, disaggregated targets. Uh, this is. A, a way to 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 reach that. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Karen. That makes sense. So it's it's at least let's say at least thirty percent. At least, yeah, exactly. True parity. Yeah. Um, fantastic. Well, um, I mean, it's super exciting. I, I can't wait to see this whole program roll out. You know, and I think it's great to, that you're leading it, given you know your decade of experience on this topic. So, couldn't have asked for a better. Uh, steward uh, of of trying to raise the next generation of agricultural entrepreneurs. So, Karen, thanks, and you know, I'll, we'll be sure to share the link to the renewable energy strategy document that you mentioned in the in the podcast uh, write up. And yeah, let's definitely keep in touch. Uh, it'd be great to have a, a follow up call, you know, later this year to to talk about the progress that you're making, obstacles that you're facing, etc. Great. Great. No, and I would like to just uh, thank. Um, I mean, the 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 youth team in IFAD is 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 leading this. I'm let's say leading the the part on the renewable energy, but it's really 
glad that uh, also Power for All is is helping us spread the word because <laughs> it's uh, definitely an important topic that should ha- should be more at the tip of the tongues of of development uh, practitioners. So this is great as well. Thank you for having me. A pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for listening. A reminder that you can find a wealth of sector news, analysis, and data on our website, powerforall.org, and our platform for energy access knowledge, which we call PEAK. You can also sign up for our monthly newsletter and other updates. And if you feel like making a tax-deductible contribution to Power for All, you can do so from our homepage. Speak with you soon on the next episode of Power.